seven factors of awakening or sometimes also called seven factors of enlightenment and you know one way of uh, structuring the teachings of the Buddha in a in a short uh, form is you know overcoming the hindrances first step and Ayana Bodhi has been speaking about the hindrances then the next <clears throat> step would be practicing the four foundations of mindfulness, which we have been doing over these uh, past ten days. And then, you know, if the hindrances have been overcome and the four foundations of mindfulness have been are practiced, then the seven factors of enlightenment are arising, so to say. And the seven factors of enlightenment, they are the path to enlightenment at, at the same time they also are constituting enlightenment itself. And I just start by you know, listing them for you. So the first of those seven factors and you know the the beginning of the sequence because it's a it's a gradual development they are they condition one another and the first one is is mindfulness or sati the second one is um, investigation of dhammas or investigation of phenomena in pali it's called dhamma vichaya Third one is energy, virya. Fourth one is pity or rapture. Fifth one is uh, tranquility, basati. The sixth one is concentration, samadhi. And the seventh one is Upeka or equanimity. And I have a little quote here from the Anguttara Nikaya. This is one of the four main books of the uh, suttas in the Bali Canon. And it says, this is Anguttara Nikaya 201. <clears throat> Whosoever is emancipated from the world does so by removing the five hindrances, firmly, firmly establishing the mind in the four foundations of mindfulness and cultivating the seven factors of enlightenment. So this is just what I said before in a kind of more formal way expressed. 
and you know, in the in the way how those seven factors of enlightenment are practiced is whatever you know meditation object we are working with may it be the body breathing or the breath itself or contemplating feelings or you know working with a visual or visualizing for example the form of the Buddha or practicing metta or any of the other four Brahma Viharas or contemplating the um, body parts, body sweeping, any of those 40 different meditation objects which are mentioned in the Bali Canon, whatever we are practicing, we can always, you know, uh, at the same time notice if any of those factors of enlightenment is present or not present. So we don't, you know, have to do that in a, in a separate way. We can just stay with the meditation objects which we are choose, have chosen and then contemplate, you know, if is there sati or is there no sati present or is there not enough? Or is there, for example, energy present or not? Or is there too much energy or, or not enough? And... And so we can do that with all the seven factors. And you know, the first one, sati, is just, you know, without mindfulness, nothing ever is, is going to happen in our practice. So this is like a basic ingredient. In the, in the suttas, it's, it's um, compared with, you know, somebody who's cooking a meal, they always need salt. You know, all other spices, you you don't necessarily need, but salt is, is like the universal kind of uh, spice you need to have in the kitchen. And this, um, the Buddha compares mindfulness in that whatever practice you are doing, you always need mindfulness in order to, you know, to basically know what you're doing and to be with what you are doing. <clears throat> and, and then, you know, if we are applying mindfulness, and uh, then, you know, through applying mindfulness to our own experience, we start to recognize, you know, certain phenomena in our experience, certain patterns or structures in our experience. And then, you know, Dhamma Vichaya comes in the investigation of Dhammas. You know, if we then refer this experience we have, if we refer it back to the teaching we have heard, or read. So, for example, you know, if you have read about the Four Noble Truths, for example, or heard about the Four Noble Truths, and then we experience, you know, that there is suffering, we experience it in the body and in the mind, and then a letting go happens, for example, through so, uh, a shift happens, and then we can, uh, we refer it back to, to the teaching of the Four Noble Truths. If that happens, you know, in the beginning especially, that can bring like a surge of, of, of interest. So energy arises. And then through this, you know, if we see, aha, uh -huh, you know, is this really like what, what I have read in the book or what I have heard, I can see that in my own experience. This is like a great aha moment, you know, which can bring more interest and then through that you know mindfulness sharpens because energy is there 
and then if we don't stop there then rapture can arise you know a great joy about you know having found a teaching which works basically and the you know the factor of joy is according to the buddha's teaching a very important you know for for the mind to to get ready for insight without joy it just doesn't work and this was one of the great you know findings of the buddha actually because as ayanandibodhi said i think it was either yesterday or the day before yesterday <clears throat> you know he was when he left home he was studying with two very you know famous teachers of his time who have both been teaching high states of of concentration and he also has been uh, you know doing a lot of ascetic practices for like i think 6 years or so where he's been torturing his body very much you know that it's in the scriptures it said you know he ate only one grain of rice a day and he was so thin that when he was touching his belly he could he touched his uh, spine at the, at the same time he was so thin and he almost kind of you know was basically you know dying and then at one point he 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 realized that this doesn't really work you know and then he he remembered that when he was a young boy of like maybe you know like 8 years old or 6 years old it's not quite clear that he was accompanying his father at a plowing festival and his father was doing the ceremonies and he was sitting under a rose apple tree and and he started to just you know sit there quietly and started to kind of meditate and and had an experience of uh, you know of great um, ease and he remembered that and he thought this was the right way you know of uh, of working with the mind you know not torturing the mind and not indulging the mind but having this state of ease and so after you know he had that insight he started to take food and you know and to live a life of um, of you know looking after his needs and not indulging at the same time which is called you know the noble eightfold path the middle path and and joy is you know joy which is not you know coming from you know indulging the senses but joy which is coming from you know from letting go is a very important ingredient there and it's called also you know otherworldly or unworldly joy which doesn't come from sensual pleasures but which comes from for example from inside or from uh calming the mind or from renunciation really not by you know kind of willfully you know cutting something away but through adding something through adding mindfulness and through adding you know wise attention it falls away and and then joy is a result of that so it's not like a suppressing or a forceful way of of dealing you know with unwholesome states of the mind but it's rather a, a really very deeply looking and uh, reflecting on on the consequences of it and and through that 
repeated looking, it starts to open up and it starts to fall away by itself. So this is kind of a different understanding of, of renunciation, you know. So, so I, I stopped with the uh, uh, energy, you know, which arises from recognizing the truth within one's own experience, brings energy and interest and then can lead to rapture. And rapture is, is in the suttas it's compared with, you know, if you have been wandering in the desert for a long time and without any drink and without any food, and then you see in the distance, you see an oasis. It's this kind of a feeling, you know, kind of, wow. Uh, it can be very, very powerful. So if it's, you know, if it's not contained very well, it, it can also throw you off the path. So it's, one has to be careful also to, to harness this in the right way. So, so when the rapture arises, there's, in the scriptures, there's kind of, I think, five different kinds of rapture. I kind of forgot what they all are, but like different patterns of how the energy can, you know, kind of move through the body. Some can start to shake very much, or it can be quite calm. But it's really when the energy, you know, starts to move. Well, your hair can stand on end and things like that. So, and if we if we don't lose our you know composure, then the next next uh, phase after the rapture is is tranquility, wapasadi. So that's if we are if we are able to stay with that rapture, then it starts to kind of calm down, and you know there's a feeling of. Uh, Ease and of an ability to really fully be with what's happening in the present moment, and this tranquility, you know, is the basis for um, the mind to collect or samadhi in, in the in the Pali language. Samadhi is kind of the tool how we can go into the depths of our own experience, and through that equanimity arises because, you know, the different workings of the mind are understood on a, on a much deeper level than if we just, you know, stay uh, on the surface. And through this, you know, through this understanding, equanimity arises. And it's kind of the culmination of the seven factors of enlightenment and at the same time, Again, it's a basis for more mindfulness, or for a stronger mindfulness. And so it's like a spiral, you know, going deeper and deeper into the nature of our experience. Equanimity or upeka is also one of the uh, ten parameters or the ten perfections, which we all, you know, develop through the practice. And it's also one of the four uh, brahma-viharas or the you know, the four um, measureless states of mind. And, you know, those seven factors of enlightenment, how, how they are kind of laid out by the Buddha, is, is a teaching which is, according to the scriptures, is unique only to, the, to Buddhas of the past, the present, and the future. And they are, you know, also 
called like the seven treasures because they are so precious qualities to develop and without those qualities enlightenment is not it's not gonna come together for us and in the scriptures they are also sometimes compared you know somebody who is really able to work with the seven factors of enlightenment is somebody who you know who is able to to go to a very to a wardrobe with with very uh, beautiful and um, valuable clothing, and he can just go there or she can just go there and choose whatever she wants or he wants to wear. And and also the scriptures say that you know reciting the or reflecting on the seven factors of enlightenment and reciting a particular sutta about them has had very strong also not only you know healing powers onto the mind but also on the body and the scriptures say that the Buddha and several others of his disciples when they were ill you know they were some of the monks were reciting for them the seven factors of enlightenment and they brought about you know healing from illness also And what I find especially interesting about those seven factors of enlightenment is, is the fact you know, that renunciation uh, of, you know, of unwholesome qualities doesn't come about by you know, forcing oneself to let, let them go, but by adding more mindfulness to what one is experiencing and through this adding more mindfulness you know the seven factors of enlightenment are kind of started off and through, through this awakening you know increasing awakening to the way things are then the unwholesome qualities start to kind of fall away so it's not a forcing but it's like a, you know it's like a, a loosening up of the identification with what we are doing through adding mindfulness and and the all all the other qualities which are following after that. So I find I find this a very um, creative way actually of dealing with one's uh, situation. You know, like really using uh, the way things are in the present moment as a as a fuel. You know, for for wisdom and compassion to arise rather than you know wishing one would be different than from how one is and then just trying to control oneself because that is pretty ineffective you know and also you know it doesn't bring about wisdom and compassion and it's just much too tight so you know this approach of adding rather than forcing oneself to give up is it just works very well and it's it's much more user friendly I feel and I have also brought like another quote from the from the suttas about the seven factors of enlightenment how to um, work with them. 
That's from the Matrimanikaya. This is also one of those four books of suttas. And there is uh, instructions for contemplating the awakening factors. So instructions how to work with them. For example, you know, if we, you are practicing mindfulness of breathing, then while practicing mindfulness of breathing, the person can say, can you know investigate if the mindfulness awakening factor is present in her. He know she knows there is the mindfulness awakening factor in me. If the mindfulness awakening factor is not present in her, she knows there is no mindfulness awakening factor in me. She knows how the unreason mindfulness awakening factor can arise and how the arisen mindfulness awakening factor can be perfected by development. And then it's going through all of the other six as well. So very simple, you know, to know is it here or is it not here? And then once that is, is established, you know, to know if it's present or not present, then if it's present, knowing the conditions that leads to further development and perfection, and if it's absent, knowing the conditions that lead to arising. So it's very, you know, it's a very simple way of, of working with those factors. And they are at the same time, you know, they are basically the antidotes to the hindrances. For example, you know, the awakening factor of, um, of Dhamma Vichaya or investigation of Dhammas is an antidote to doubt. And um, tranquility is an antidote to restlessness. And um, rapture is an, is an antidote to sloth and topper and energy as well, both of them. So they, you know, if they counteract the hindrances and at the same time, you know, they strengthen uh, each other mutually. So, and you need the perfection of those seven factors of enlightenment is enlightenment itself. And another way, you know, of, of speaking about the seventh factor of enlightenment and equanimity is Ajahn Chah was always using this example, you know, the cup is already broken. So that's a way, you know, of, of meeting our experience or meeting the world, you know. It might sound negative on, on hearing it for the first time, but it's a way, you know, knowing that uh, really knowing about impermanence, knowing about the three characteristics and, you know, as long as, as the cup is there, really kind of enjoying it and seeing the beauty and really fully enjoying what, what is there. And then at the same time, when it's finished, then just uh, letting it go and maybe there is another cup coming along. And that's why, you know, equanimity is... Uh, is a sign of, of, a, of a good practice, basically. And because, you know, if there's equanimity, we, we always are able to know, you know, what is good for ourselves, what is good for others, and what is good for, for both, in terms of, 
you know, how to deal with situations. So it's, it's, it's also in, in the set of the four Brahma Viharas is considered like the, is, is number four, is, is the highest of the four Brahma Viharas. And it's also, it's the opposite of, of, of boredom. Even in, you know, on the first look, it can just look very similar. But it's a very noble quality and great support for insight to happen. If we have that equanimity so we don't, you know, we can bear with that which we don't want to see. And if there's a lot of pleasant you know, experience, we can avoid getting carried away by it. So it's a very powerful uh, quality to develop. And if there's equanimity, you know, then there's more mindfulness, there's more seeing the way things are. And, and it's just uh, leading to deeper and deeper understanding and letting go. So those four factors, of, uh, the seven factors of enlightenment, uh, you know, a teaching which is very you know, easy, I think, to, you know, to take with oneself onto the path. It's not complicated, and it's, at the same time, you know, a very high teaching. And, you know, this, this uh, four or five more days which we have now left, maybe you can, you know, reflect uh, you know, sometimes if if they are present or not present in in your mind, and and just you know get to know which ones are coming easier for you and which one are more difficult. So this is just like another way how we can uh, you know get to know ourselves and uh, cultivate wholesome qualities. And so we can, maybe Ayananda Bodhi and I can chant the, the chant together, the seven factors of enlightenment. It's not in the book, so. And if anybody, if you, do you have anybody who is, who is sick? Maybe you can, you know, unwell physically. You can keep them in, in your mind and share the benefits of this chant with them and anybody else you know you have Ochanko Satisankato Dhammanang Vichayotata Viryang Vitipasa Dipochanka Chatata Pare Samatupeka Pochanka Satete sapatasina munina sammatakata pavita pahulikata sangvatanti apinyayanipa nayachapodhiya 
Etena sachavachena sotite hotu sapata ekasming samayenato mogalanan Kilane tu kite te sua po changke sata te saite chatang apinante tawa roka mochim sutang kane ete na sachava chena sotite hotu sapata e kata tamaracha pikelane na pipilito Chunda terena tane vapana petwana satarang samotitawa chapata tamhavuta sitana so etena sachava chena sotite hotu sapata pahina te chapata Nanam pimahesina makahata kilesa vapatanu patitamatang etena sachavachena sotite hotu sapata. And then also I wanted to say, you know, the factors to support the development of the um, seven enlightenment factors. Internally, it's, it's wise attention, and externally, it's uh, spiritual friendship, you know, to associate with people who are interested also in developing those factors of enlightenment. So, so you're in the right place at the moment, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.